What's up, everyone? The regular season is done. It is now time for the playoffs in a week. Uh, once the playing tournament gets out of the way, but we know it's going to be Bucks and Bulls, so we can start to look ahead to that. On today's show, we're also going to look back and discuss what the Bucks did with this game in Cleveland with the guys that did play, the guys that didn't play, and Drew Holiday cashing in uh, with a, a quick day's work against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. Joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As always, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And uh, we're at the best part of the year at the start of the postseason. Hopefully, another two months of postgame pods to come uh, for the Bucks here. And uh, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. And uh, we have got to the end of the regular season. And maybe it felt a little bit longer because we haven't had an 82-game season for a couple of years uh, since since after the pandemic anyway. But this Cavs game, uh, speaking of games, it was a little bit of a drag. It was the perfect way to finish this with uh, none of the Bucks players playing uh, we haven't really chatted since the, the last couple of games went down. Uh, we were talking about the back-to-back. We weren't sure who was going to play. But I think the last time we spoke, Frank, we assumed that a lot of the big names weren't going to play the back-to-back against Detroit. And then maybe they would have a bit of a run in this game against Cleveland. But there was lots of standing stuff going on. So if we go back to that in general, just how surprised were you with the way that the Bucks approached this or how this played out? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes to you know, paint these things in broad brushes, right? And say teams either, you know, like the, there was that thing where people were like, the Bucks want the Nets. The Bucks aren't afraid of the Nets. <laughs> they want the Nets. And it's like, well, I think we can say the Bucks were not bending over backwards to play the Brooklyn Nets. But that said, I don't think, to say that the Bucks were ducking the Nets, I mean, they wouldn't have played their full complement of guys on a back-to-back Thursday, Friday, if their number one goal was was ducking the Brooklyn Nets because that, you know, they, they needed help on Sunday to avoid having to play the Nets, even even though they they obviously lost. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of one of those things that I think it just sort of highlights that um, there's a bunch of different factors that come into play. And at the end of the day, I mean, we don't know if the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat are going to get the Brooklyn Nets in the first round even today because they still have to do this play-in tournament. So um, I think at the end of the day, I think a couple things jump out. I think playing the guys on the Friday back-to-back in Detroit was, I think, to me, the most surprising thing, as as we alluded to. Um, You know, I I don't know the last time Giannis played in a back-to-back prior to this. If we were good at our jobs, we'd probably have dug (laughs) dug up that information. Stand but certainly that, was, certainly that was not really a thing, right? I mean, we saw that Clippers game 
um, where if, if they had really wanted like the number one seed, even um, they would have played their got their dudes in that Clipper game, you know, which was a game that was kind of there for them to take, given that the Clippers also rested pretty much everybody. Um, although the Clippers scrubs hit like a billion three. So, you know, maybe not, but, um, but anyway, uh, so I think a couple things to play in mind, like clearly they, they, you could say, well, the fact that they played the back-to-back suggests that they didn't want the four seed, right? Because winning the two games against uh, Boston and then in Detroit guaranteed that they weren't going to be the four seed. So is this is this some sort of like, well, they didn't want to have to play the Toronto Raptors? Uh, you could make that case. You know, maybe they they did not want to be in the four spot having to play the five, possibly. I don't think they're afraid of playing the Miami Heat in the second round. I don't think the Bucks are looking ahead that far with any of this. Um so I think it kind of probably just came down to the fact that they probably preferred a three to be a top three seed. Um, maybe they didn't really want to play the Raptors. Um, and the other piece of this too is Cleveland really did have something to play for on Sunday and definitely would have had more to play for even if the Bucs had played their regular guys. We've already seen them. I mean, the Bucs have had some rough, you know, especially the last time they played full strength in Cleveland, they got their asses kicked. So it's not like even if they played their full complement of guys on Sunday that really anything was going to be guaranteed. And I think, you know, the look at Doncic situation where he strains a calf muscle in the last game of the season, that's really the concern, right? It's not so much that you're worried about getting another couple off days when you have a whole week ahead of you. It's geez, what if, what if one of our guys gets hurt and it carries over into the first round of the playoffs? And, you know, by virtue of the fact that we went for a win in the game that, you know, we didn't, really need to win or desperately um we've now somehow compromised our title defense and to be honest that's why i also thought the, the pistons game was probably not going to be a game that they played in because playing a back-to-back is the risk higher of of suffering injury anytime you put these guys on the floor towards the end of the season that's your biggest nightmare so i would say this combination of things i think they seem to have wanted either the two or three by virtue of doing the back-to-back and obviously going for the win against boston and going for the win in detroit um, I would say they were not looking to play the, the, the Brooklyn Nets, um, because they obviously did not field guys on Sunday, but I think that was probably more just, you know, the fact that the Bucks, we know that they prioritize health, you know, they wouldn't want to really risk anything once they had the two or three assured. And even if they win that game, you know, again, or, you know, if they lose the game that on its own, wasn't going to cement them in the three seed anyway. So, you know, again, it's kind of a boring way to frame it. It's just, I think they're just sort of balancing a lot of different things. And I think principally it started with good health. Um, And secondly, I think, you know, again, yeah, they probably wanted either the two or the three. And of course, you know, we can talk about the bulls. Probably you ask any of those teams in the top four, um, maybe even Miami who obviously number one are probably thinking they're going to get at this point, you know, if you think Brooklyn can beat Cleveland, and Cleveland's the best of those teams left. Pick any of those teams that, that might come out of the play-in other than Brooklyn. Um, would the Miami Heat prefer to play the Chicago Bulls as well? Uh, quite possibly. So the fact that you can angle to play a team that obviously the Bucks swept in the regular season, and I don't think fear at all. And also they can just literally drive to games. Um, they don't have to get on planes to go play the Bulls, which from a travel perspective is very appealing. Yeah, I think that was the most appealing first-round matchup. Um, but again, their trade-offs with that, if you expect to beat the bulls, then you just signed yourself up to have to go play in Boston in a potential game seven. If 
things go chalk in the first round in the second round. So, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see if that ends up being the right choice, but obviously those were some of the trade-offs they were, they were trying to make. And again, you never know if these things are going to pay off. It was a different situation last year. And again, I, you know, as we always, I always say, playoffs are just a series of small sample sizes and, you know, we'll know soon enough if, uh, if it, things worked out in a way that that's going to benefit them. I think the big thing is that whichever team you support, uh, you can write whatever story you want. So if you're a Bulls fan right now, you're saying, oh, so you wanted to play the Chicago Bulls? And I'm sure that, you know, internally, that's something that they're trying to say is some sort of motivating factor. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think the other interesting thing is for the Bucks, which also just makes this make a lot of sense. We can get into it more a little bit later on. But as you said, maybe they play Boston in the second round. But also, maybe they just play the Nets in the second round. And maybe they've still got the home court advantage they would have had in the first. And ultimately, I don't think, like, if the Bucs were so terrified about playing the Brooklyn Nets, if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan, this is certainly how I look at it. Like, I don't think that I'm going to feel tremendously better about myself if the Bucs lose in the second round to the Nets rather than the first round to the Nets. I mean, it's the they've won the title last year. That's where the expectation is. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Obviously, Cleveland... Uh, tomorrow maybe as some people are listening to this the game's on but the playing tournament starts tomorrow and uh, we'll see how they work through that uh i was listening to some national stuff and i think it's interesting how people frame this i want to get to it in a second after i talk about prize picks uh if you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the nba then you need to try the award-winning app prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy uh you guys know that i love prize picks i've been talking about it for a while and uh, I like it because uh, it's pretty simple to use. You pick two to five players and an over and under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. By the way, imagine playing prize picks for this Bucks cavs game. You could have had uh, Rajon Tucker, Thanasis, uh, Mamu could have been a part of, your, uh, part of your picks there. And you can make your entry in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. Uh, but for me, for this Bulls series, if I'm picking a player on the Bucks. Uh, no hot takes here. It's going to be Giannis because he's had some big games against the Bulls throughout the season. So for a limited time, PrizePix fans has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all our users. You get 50 bucks free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores a single point, but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Lockdown fans. Sign up today and use the code NBA for 50 bucks free. That's PrizePix uh, Daily Fantasy Made Easy. And speaking about some of the odds, uh, our friends at, at Bet Online. .net. I believe the Bucks are still the favorites to come out of the East at betonline.net. You can check out all the odds for the NBA playoffs coming up this season or coming up in the next few weeks. And you can find all the latest sports developments across other leagues as well. Baseball's going. I'm an Oakland A's fan. Uh, they're probably, I, I thought before the season, they might not win 60 games. They've just won two games in a row. They're rolling. They're two and two in the season. So probably a World Series coming up. But you can find out all the odds at betonline.net. .net. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Let's bet online where the game starts. Kane, who are, are there like random A's fans that follow you on Twitter? Because like every once in a while you'll tweet something about the A's and I'm always just like, who is this for? Are you just patronizing like Brewer fans? Because that's the most likely group of baseball people to follow you. What, what What's the deal? Look, I'm not. A, I'm not all about the engagement. Sometimes you have to set, hit. Yeah, sometimes you have to hit send on a tweet that you know no one's going to give a single shit about, and that's usually what I do when I tweet about the Oakland Athletics. Although 
there is a, a Bucks fan that you'll probably know from Twitter, uh, Frank Justin Cyan, who also listens to this podcast. Uh, so he's an A's fan. So every now and then he'll comment back. It'll be my one interaction on my A's post. He'll be pretty fired up about it. So, you know. What's what's Justin's excuse? What Do you know why he's an A's fan? I think he lives in the Bay Area. Okay. Which is obviously a reasonable excuse. Uh, so anyway, shout out to the A's. And shout out to the Brewers, by the way. Don't worry. I do have a soft spot for the Brewers. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I was listening to uh, a bunch of different podcasts and you hinted at the Luka Doncic injury. And this is the this is the reason why I think it's so funny to to hear the reactions to what the Bucks did in the final game of the season. And I was listening to a number of shows, a number of different podcasts that described the Bucks as scared or cowards for ducking the Brooklyn Nets, but also described the Dallas Mavericks as absolute idiots for having Luka Doncic on the floor in the last game of the season. So this is why it's so hypocritical. You either play these guys and then they get injured and you look dumb or you rest the guys and everyone calls you a bunch of cowards. So what are you supposed to do, Frank? I think I would rather be called a coward in this instance and have my guys for game one of the postseason. Yeah, and I think especially, I mean, again, everything revolves around Giannis. And it's sort of interesting. I think the the you know the fact that we've now seen him in the bubble, his playoffs were ended by an ankle sprain, which you know we've seen him turn his ankle repeatedly throughout his career again he's never missed more than a couple games really due to an ankle sprain but you know like the way he attacks the rim like it happens um and then the knee soreness and obviously you know we've seen um <laughs> we, we can dial it back to the hawk series and the injury he suffered which you know again that was much more of a freak thing but we've also seen just sort of like him plant funny whatever something happened and he you can sort of see him start to favor his knee during games and then you know he'll usually he'll finish the game pretty much always he'll finish the game but then oh next game he's he's out you know resting and maybe misses a couple games with knee soreness so again i mean we i have no illusion that Giannis was going to miss you know uh, a playoff game next weekend with like a minor injury like that but as you said you just don't know and you know, if you know if you feel like winning or losing doesn't doesn't really change the equation very much for you, you know, I get it. Um, I also think you can say the the Bucks decision to play guys and not play guys like you know is that very consistent? Yeah, I don't know. But at that point, I think you know there's a reason that Giannis has never played in a season finale under Bud. Part of it is because they haven't really had much to play for in those games. I think the bubble bubble finale he was actually suspended for because the Mo, Mo Wagner headbutt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you kind of reach that end and it's sort of like, all right, why why play with fire unless unless there's something really important at stake here, right? I mean, if this was like a decision between being like the four or five seed and it's going to swing, you know, home court in the first round or something like that, I'd be much more inclined to, to go for it. I don't know if the Bucks would, but um, but I, I certainly would be. And um, again, I... I think the Bucks probably care less about home court advantage, especially in these sort of, you know, second, third round scenarios than I do. Um, and obviously the first thing you can do is point to last year and the fact that you beat the Nets without home court, you beat the Suns without home court. Um, but I will point out as well, they were two and five on the road in those series and they only won those series because they were six and zero at home. And if they lose a home game, they're not winning a championship in that, in those, in that series or, Again, maybe things play out differently, but um, 
But again, when you don't have home court, it also means that you have to be absolutely perfect at home in terms of just, you know, it's winning every game. And, you know, again, um, hopefully the Bucks, hopefully the Bucks will get to a second round here uh, without too much, too much hassle. And then we can sort of have that big debate depending on who they play. As you said, if they play the Nets, it's academic. They'll have home court against the Nets. If it's the Boston Celtics, um, then obviously they'll have to start the series on the road and we'll see how it goes. And I, I do, I kind of hinted to this at the start, but I do think it's a little bit different. Like last year, particularly coming into that series against Miami, I do think that the Bucks beating the Heat the way that they did got some sort of mental benefit from breaking through that barrier. Now that they've already done it and they have won some big games on the road, I don't think, like I've heard some people say that uh, this is, this means that the Bucks won't have some sort of mental edge. And it's like, well, they just went through and won the title. I don't think that's as important as it was uh, 12 months ago. That's to me anyway. Just quickly with the Drew Holiday stuff, and we're going to talk about Bucks and Bulls all week long if people are wondering why we haven't dived headfirst into this series. We've got a crossover with Locked Up Bulls coming up. Obviously, me and Frank will talk about it as well. Um, but the Drew Holiday stuff was interesting. This was the one poor man that had to get into uniform for this Cavs game. So everyone probably knows the story by now. He fouls on the first possession, out of the game, reaches the 67th uh, game qualifier for his bonus, which I think Bobby Marks was tweeting was around 306K, which obviously that's a nice day's work if you're Drew Holiday coming on the floor. And it was great. The players were laughing. Giannis was like rubbing his hands together or doing something silly. Like they were all very, very much aware of what was happening. But Drew has uh, really been cashing in on these bonuses. I'm throwing this at you without asking you, so I don't know if you know off the top of your head. But obviously, he had a, a whole bunch of unlikely bonuses last year. Uh, there was a bonus for a championship, I believe, as well, Frank. But shout out to Drew Holiday for just cashing in on absolutely just just about every single dollar he possibly could on this contract, because a lot of the times these don't come through. Yeah, I mean, and I, I have I have a tab in my ah, see. Um, that's why I have no fear about doing this. <laughs> I mean, that's how complicated his contract is, and and the, yes. the annoying thing was. Um, when you extend a contract and you have this type of bonus structure, like basically you have to carry over the, the likely versus unlikely, the kind of this, this bonus structure when you do an extension like this. Um, I would have loved it if they, you know, if that wasn't the case and he could just have a normal, normal contract that doesn't fluctuate wildly based on, you know, mm-hmm. these criteria being met, met or not. Um, but the interesting thing is, you know, you mentioned the 306,000 or whatever. I think he's got, let's see, 918,000 in sort of statistical, milestones uh for this year that were likely and that, that he's gonna hit um all defensive is a hundred and twenty thousand dollar uh bonus getting to the nba finals is two hundred forty thousand and winning the nba finals is uh a million and twenty thousand dollars um and kind of one of the funny things is sort of this idea of likely versus unlikely the simplest way to think about it is if you did that thing last year it's likely if you didn't do it last year it's unlikely so Last year, we talked about his bonuses and his likely uh, bonuses and all that. Winning an NBA championship was not part part of the likely bonuses because obviously he hadn't done that before. He didn't do that the year before in uh, New Orleans. Bucks hadn't done that. Um, now, because the Bucks won a championship, when you look at his expected salary number for this year, it includes just again by virtue of the fact <laughs> they did it last year. Uh, making the finals and winning the championship as an expected bonus. So yeah, his you know if the Bucks lose in these finals, um, he'll his salary number will fall sort of in all these cap spreadsheets. 
by about, you know, one, a million and a quarter. And, um, you know, again, obviously the whole Bucks franchise wants to win an NBA, another NBA championship, but the irony is if they don't win an NBA championship, um, they'll get back about $5 million <laughs> in sort of expected, expected money plus tax on top of that. Right. Cause there's about a three and a half X multiplier on whatever bonuses or incremental dollars they spend because of where they are in the luxury tax. So that, that eight seconds that drew holiday played on Sunday net net cost the bucks over a million dollars in terms of total, uh, total costs when you factor in the bonus salary as well as the the tax impact on that. So yeah, these are just the weird kind of random things that, you know, I track in a spreadsheet and you guys don't have to, don't have to think about, but, uh, but yeah, that made for a funny little subplot for, uh, for that game. But I'd say from here on out, get to the finals, win the finals. I think we're all pretty well aligned uh, that, uh, that, that, that that's, that's the goal for everybody. Yeah, and of course, as you sort of pointed to, everyone, including the owners, for everything else they get from winning a title, I'm sure they're totally fine with it. But it just is funny to think about when they made this trade. And last year, there was all this cap stuff. Are they under the tax? Are they going to be over the tax? All sorts of weird stuff that we spent all season talking about. And if you had really thought about it at the start of the season or when the trade went down, that you know Drew's going to cash in on that championship bonus. I'm sure, again, the Bucks owners would have said, okay, fine. But it is just hilarious to even think that those things are in the expected salary now you play for the milwaukee bucks it's expected that you're going to cash in on this nba finals bonus which is just uh absolutely absurd uh tell you what's not absurd that's the prices at rockauto.com the family business that's been serving auto parts customers for a number of years and i can tell you about some of the likely bonuses of shopping at rockauto.com and that's that you'll save time and money when you're using rock auto you'll save up to 30 percent, 50 percent, or even 100 percent more and uh, also a nice bonus is that it's a family business and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So rather than stumbling into an auto parts store and you know not knowing what you're doing, they only have one brand that probably isn't perfect for you anyway. Just go to rockauto.com and they'll have everything covered uh, for you there. And it doesn't have to be just uh, parts, can be accessories. They've got everything uh, you're going to need for your car there. So go and explore the easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts need just right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you that's locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockerauto.com i found myself today frank looking through um some box scores and some rosters from the last time the bucks played the bulls in the postseason uh it was my first trip to Milwaukee, as I've said a number of times on this uh, on this podcast. Giannis, still a baby-faced young man with uh, an angry streak. The angry streak remains, but he no longer looks like a young man. But things have, things have changed. And it's interesting when the Bulls were, were coming up this season that uh, we the first time we played them, which we had to wait till after the new year, uh, prior to that, we were discussing the Bulls as a, as a significant challenger. Clearly, they've had issues on the defensive end. The one thing we do know about this team with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, they do have two guys who on any given night can score up to 40 points per night. And as you just said, it's a small sample size in the postseason. Obviously, the Bucs will go into this series as favorite, but the Bulls could be dangerous on any given night. Uh, I'm not dismissing this as an automatic sweep like a lot of people. 
It's it's hard to beat any NBA team four times in a row, right? We usually say that when it comes to a playoff series. Um, it holds true for the regular season as well. Sweeping a regular season is not easy. Uh, I mean, it was kind of ironic that the closest the Bulls came was in that first game. I think that was the yeah. game Zach Levine didn't play in Milwaukee. I think probably a lot of Bulls fans looked at that outcome and said, hey, we're, we're right there with these guys. And then, you know, we sort of saw as, as the additional matchups unfolded, um, the second game in Chicago, uh, I thought, you know, as much as it was, you know, a six-point game um, and the Bulls had some runs, third quarter, they had a big run. The Bucks ultimately, it was it was a very, like, you know, last third of the season Bucks game, like post-All-Star Bucks game, because kind of defense was a bit at a premium for most of the game. Um, but at the end of the day, like the Bucks defended in the fourth quarter and their best players just were better than the other team's best players. And I was like, yeah, that's just, just, this is just inevitable. And they kind of come away with winners. And obviously the last two games, um, you know, even with Caruso being back last game, we saw Pat Williams back, um, you know, just, just too much, too much bucks in, in either of those games. And I thought, you know, those were two of the games where the bucks I thought looked best uh, defensively. And on the one hand, you can say, hey, you know, uh, drop defense. Hey, the DeMar DeRozan, Zach, I mean, those guys are going to be able to get into kind of mid-range shots. But, um, you know, starting Wes Matthews obviously gives them, you know, alongside Drew, uh, two, you know, ace kind of like wing-focused doing defensive guys um, that they can throw out there. Okay, maybe calling, you know, Wes an ace defender. I get it. That's that's maybe a bit a bit much, but you know he's had. I think I think he's pretty much you know done a pretty good job. DeRozan had that huge uh, fourth game, but in the third game they really contained him very well and you know kind of just forced him in taking a lot of mid range jumpers. Which again he can get really hot doing that, but um, I think in the third game in particular they held him down really at the line. He didn't get to the free throw line much, and I think that's probably going to be one of the big you know sort of questions of the series, right? You look at Giannis, you know, Bulls had their best game defensively against Giannis in the fourth game where they just sort a lot of doubles. I think Pat Williams is certainly better equipped to defend Giannis than Tristan Thompson or Javante Green or some of these other guys that they've had. Um, but that said, I mean, Patrick Williams isn't like a defensive stopper against Giannis per se either. But, um, you know, do they maybe get something out of that where like, hey, they're going to show a lot of quick doubles and just try to take the ball out of his hands? you know, maybe more like the Miami series last year where Giannis had to become a little more of a distributor, didn't really get into the same flow offensively. Again, we'll see kind of how all this unfolds. Um, it'll be nice to see, obviously, Giannis, you know, the um, seeing them a little more unleashed, right? And Bud presumably not going to be afraid to play those guys major minutes. Um, again, we've been saying all, all year long, right? We've been waiting for the Bucks to get back to the playoffs. This is what you know that this team was waiting to get back to. Um, and I'm sure it's going to be an interesting series. You know, again, we'll see we'll see how competitive it is. I don't want a competitive series, but You're right. I mean, the Bulls, Bulls have the firepower to do it, right? I mean, if the yep. Bucks have some poor three-point shooting games, I think the fact that the Bulls have not been, you know, a big three-point shooting team all year and that got worse after the All-Star break, that's why, part of why they really, I think, can stylistically play into the Bucks' hands because if you're not going to hurt the Bucks by bombing threes against them, you know they they don't you know they're not a team that dominates at the rim. They don't have like a bunch of like athletic size guys down low. 
and they don't have, you know, again, just 45, 50 point um, three pointer attempt games and raining 23s on you. Like that's not really their style either. Knock on wood. Um, so again, I think stylistically it presents a challenge for Chicago. Um, but again, you know, interesting to see these teams reunited. I, I think this, this first Bucks home game, I predict it will go better than the, what, 54 point loss in game six, the last time these teams um, played at a home game or a game in Milwaukee uh, in the playoffs. That was, that was the night before my wedding day, by the way, um, I was getting yeah. married that weekend. So I had lots of distract. I mean, I was like, oh, screw the Bucks, All right. You know, forget it. I'll focus on getting married this weekend to my wife, who's a Rockets fan. But, um, you know, uh, very team. These two franchises obviously in very different places now than they were uh, in 2015. So um, it'll be interesting to watch. And certainly also, I mean, the proximity, the fact that we've always seen lots of Bulls fans in Milwaukee, seen increasingly Milwaukee fans going down to Chicago as well. Um, that obviously also adds just a different wrinkle to this. Um, and certainly, can help neutralize the Bucks home court to to an extent. Yeah, I remember walking out. So uh, the first live game I ever went to was Game Three. Then I went to Game Four, which was the Jared Bayless game winner. And all I remember is walking out of the Bradley Center and seeing a Bucks fan. There was all the buses, I guess, were leaving to head back down to Chicago. And I just remember this Bucks fan. Maybe as a listener to the podcast, they can they can let us know. Picked up a broom off the floor, walked in front of the bus, and just snapped it over his knee, and then started yelling with the with the snapped broom over his head. So what a celebration it was! Uh, obviously, the Bucks didn't win the series. Uh, one other note before we finish up this podcast, though, and we should we should mention it because it is significant. We spoke about injuries and the concern that some guy can go down. So George Hill, we we don't really know uh, what the road is going to be for George Hill, or if we'll see him again. We just spoke about the fact that he had that pretty serious sounding back injury now it's a abdominal strain back spasms general area stuff when you've got stuff going on with your back everything else seems to break down so uh, this is significant we spent a lot of time talking about Javon Carter George Hill I think you like the idea that if you need some backup minutes you have got a, a defensive minded guard that you can put out there uh, but you know this 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 sucks for him and it does you know bring up the idea that maybe we have seen the last of George Hill this season. Yeah. I mean, as you said, uh, whether this is an abdominal injury, a back injury, um, when we're talking about hernias, abdomen, back, like there's, you know, literally two sides of the same body. Um, so who knows? I mean, I think uh, obviously you cross your fingers at a week off, maybe get storage back to a, a good place and, and that we'll see him in this first round. Um, Adam, you know, beyond that, obviously it's not like there's necessarily huge pressure. This is not, you know, yeah. Kenyana's playing game one of the finals type stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, so if he needs another week, obviously you give it to him and you tell Javon Carter and Grayson Allen and the Bucks, other kind of guards and wings that, all right, you know, you guys got to pick the slack. I mean, we, we've talked about the, the good problem the Bucks have when healthy that there are going to be some players who are rotation worthy, who just aren't only going to find time. So, uh, you know, this is, this is the scenario that we were talking about that, that could spring up where you lose one of those guys and then you got to pack, you know, kind of bandage it over with, with one of your other guys or a combination of guys play different styles, whatever it might be. So um, again, the bulls don't have like, you know, are the Bulls like a great matchup for George Hill versus Javon Carter? 
I mean, like, again, they don't play like tiny guards that you'd want to hound up and down the court necessarily. I think really the important thing against the Bulls is having, you know, wing defensive depth against Rosen and Levine. Um, but certainly as of things, as things stand right now, um, you know, if we were doing price picks, you know, over-unders on minutes or something like that, probably Javon Carter, you know, would, would be yeah. a guy that you'd probably take the over on because he flips from a guy who maybe DNP CDs most nights or the average game to a guy that you expect to play um, with George Hill out. Absolutely. So as I said at the top, we're going to roll through this series uh, through the week. Camille will be on at some stage. We've got a locked on crossover coming up. Justin's probably going to swing by. I'm trying to plan some other stuff. We'll see whether that comes up as well, but uh, it's playoff time. So we're going to have some fun here. And uh, hopefully, like I said at the top, it's going to be a busy couple of months uh, for us as well. So uh, this is going to be a good series. At times, we've had some days where we've just had to grind out the podcast, Frank, but I'm ready for playoff basketball. I'm ready for this to get started. And, of course, tomorrow, the next couple of days, the, the play-in tournament's on, and we'll see what these matchups are going. Who, who are the matchups you want? Let's finish on that. Who do you want to get through? the? And, of course, you can have best-case scenario for the Bucks. Whatever. What is it? Um. So, I mean, the two, the two teams that I'm sort of rooting against the most in the first round <laughs> um, would actually probably be Boston and Philly. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's interesting cause you can certainly, yeah, I, I think you could make the case that Boston, you would have most liked to see in the number four spot because it seems like Jalen Brown and Horford right. wouldn't have been eligible to play in Toronto due to their vaccination status. Um, in the flip side here with Philly going there, you only have Matisse Thibel missing out. Um, but again, the Raptors, you know, Beat the beat the Sixers what three times I think in the regular season, yeah. they bottled up Embiid pretty damn well, um, and so it puts the Sixers in a really interesting spot because not that Toronto has like I mean they don't have Marcus Gasol anymore who defended Joel Embiid very well back in the day. Precious Achua is not you know what you typically call like an Embiid stopper, but they have so much length and they can swarm and you know Nick Nurse and his tactics. Um, I think that's going to be a challenging series for Philly, um, and I think likewise Boston presumably getting uh the the nets um is certainly another really interesting series i think honestly like the fact that the nets are not like a team that really like attacks the rim that much means that they probably won't miss robert williams the celtics probably don't miss robert williams this is my theory at least like yeah. maybe the celtics don't really miss robert williams as much in that series as they might otherwise have going small and mobile might actually be just as well for them Again, I'm sure they're always oh, be better having Robert Williams as an option. He actually was one of the few bright spots last year when those two teams played in the first round, and the Celtics got got blown out in five games. So, um, so I think that one is certainly going to be interesting. I mean, I I will be rooting for the Nets against the Celtics, and I will be rooting for the Raptors <laughs> against the Sixers. Um, hey, you could tell me, you could argue to me that the Raptors actually are a tougher matchup for the Bucks in the playoffs than the Sixers. I could buy that, um, but the nice part about sort of looking at the one-four matchups is, you know, that's those are the teams you're not going to have to play until the East Finals potentially anyway. So they're a little bit more out of sight, out of mind. So certainly my biggest, you know, kind of focus in terms of other series is going to be on um, the two-seven between Boston and again, presumably the Nets, but maybe not. Maybe it's the Cavs, um, and I think that could certainly be 
you know, a very, very interesting series. Probably, I mean, is there a more interesting series in the East first round? I think, again, Philly-Toronto is going to be very interesting. I don't know that it's going to be, like, TV interesting. Not nationally, um, yeah. Yeah, like, nationally, I think certainly the Nets-Celtics series is going to be the big talking point, especially given it's the two East Coast. It's the Tim Bontemps, uh, you know, East Coast uh, coverage teams uh, series. That's that's not going to be showing any games on NBA TV for sure. Is what is it like for you? Are are you either keyed in on any other series? Yeah, that'll be the one. Uh, well, it'll be Brooklyn, whoever they play. I mean, we. Feel, I mean, just say that things go crazy. I would be tuning into Brooklyn Miami as well, which would also be really yeah. really fascinating. So, yeah, I think uh, for the grind of the Celtics, uh, you would like to see him play the Nets because it. Even if the Nets feel a little compromised, and I think it's a series that the Celtics could probably get through, I think that it would be... I, I couldn't see them sweeping the Nets. I think that would have to at least go to a Game 6, potentially a Game 7. And I did hear a theory on one of the podcasts I was listening to about Kevin Durant and the amount of minutes that he's going to have to play. He's probably going to have to play 46 minutes. So that's the other side if you're talking about Bucks and Nets. If Kevin Durant has to go through a series of playing seven games at 46 minutes per game and then start with Giannis and the Bucks. Uh, that also is at least somewhat of a help. So uh, it's going to be fascinating. I think the East playoffs are going to be pretty wild. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'll definitely be tuned into these playing games tomorrow anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, any game. I mean, do you remember that game? I think it was uh, Minnesota-Denver Yeah. four or five years ago, which was before one-off, the play-in. Yeah. But yeah. it was like a one-off. Literally, whichever team wins, go to the playoffs. I mean, that's obviously, I don't know how many times that's happened in league history. But just having guaranteed, you know, a few games like that a year, I think is really fun, especially coming on the heels of March Madness, bringing some of that kind of randomness um, to to the NBA is pretty fun. So, yeah, I'll definitely tune in. Um, and I think the other piece, obviously, we, we didn't mention, but the 2-7 Kyrie versus Boston. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, hey, if the Celtics win, part of me is going to enjoy Kyrie having to lose to the team that, you know, he spurned and and left on the way out and a city that you know i i as much as i I lived in boston the austin area for 15 years i do not share much in common in terms of rooting interest but um despising Kyrie, i could i can show some boston solidarity on that front so um that's the one thing that's uh making me less excited about having to root for not having but choosing to root for the nets in this first round series and certainly to the extent if, if the nets do lose I hope it's because Kyrie sucks. Let's be honest. That would be yeah. that would be the the most fun way to see the to see the Nets lose. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean it's interesting though too because kind of as you pointed out, I mean somebody's going to have to defend Kevin Durant for forty six minutes a game or whatever he plays. Um, though obviously the Celtics have more than one guy that they can throw at that task. Whether it's you know Tatum, Brown, Grant Williams. Um, whoever I'm forgetting Mark. I don't know if they put Marcus smart on him very much just given the lack of size, but, um, but we'll see. Um, I think Kevin Durant is must see TV in, in the playoffs, I think. And again, you know, 20 years from now, I'll, I'll still be thankful that the bucks were able to take his absolute best shot and, and still come away with a series win on the way to a championship. Cause again, it feels like you're, you're, you're up against a lot you know, when you, when you have to play KD in, in a first round. And again, I say that, like, I, I was not personally, I was not like afraid of the Bucks having to play the Nets. Um, I think the Bucks are a better team, but you know, you just never know with KD and um, he's, he's just something special to watch. It, it is more fun. I got to say this. 
you didn't get to experience this during the Olympics because you obviously were not rooting for Team USA, but <laughs> it's nice. It's nice when you get to root for Kevin Durant. Um, he's he's a much more fun guy to root for than against. Yeah, well, he 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 got the double on me because he torched Australia when Australia were looking pretty good in that uh, in that Olympic game there as well. So, uh, one other thing I'll say: check out the Locked On NBA podcast because I'll have you covered for the rest of the stuff going around the NBA. If you want something after you listen to the Bucks specific, listen to the Locked On NBA podcast, and they'll have you covered. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be back after the playing game. We'll let these playing games go. We'll have those results. We'll have a bit of a clearer picture of what could potentially happen moving forward as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, but for Kane, now, yes. Kane, before before we go, um, we teased it the other day. You went to the F1 race in Melbourne here. Folks who aren't interested in this can 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 log off. But um, it sounded like you had a good time. Did did you just get um, drunk and baked in the sun, or what? What was uh, what was the day like? How long baked. were you were you out there in, in Melbourne? Baked in the sun, that's for damn sure. It was hot. And it's like summer's well and truly gone, but just the weather was spectacular for this race. It couldn't have got any better. And by the way, uh, for those people that have never been to Melbourne or had no idea, I got to tell you, it looks pretty spectacular, Melbourne, on TV. I got to give give my city a little bit of credit here. It was looking good. But yeah, it was like over 80 degrees, just straight sun. Got there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Walked around. There's heaps of there's stuff going on everywhere. A few other races during the day, which we didn't really watch, but we were just, yeah, had a few beers, cruised around. So many people. There was 140,000 people there, I think, on Sunday. So um, we didn't get too drunk because getting a beer took about an hour. Uh, but uh, but it was a great day. I'd never been to the F1s. I still think it's a better TV sport. Like watching on TV, you really get a, you can see everything that's going on. When you're at the track, you don't see it as much. But I'll still probably definitely go if I'm in Melbourne every year. It's here from now on because uh, the live experience is like ridiculous. Just like the noise, how quick they are. I know it's obvious, but in person, it's just, it's absolutely dumb. It's dumb how, and we were on a really high speed part of the circuit. They were going like 300 plus K an hour. So whatever that is in miles per hour, but 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Seeing how close they are to each other at that speed is just like absolutely absurd. So yeah, I had a great day. I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm like a motorsport expert, but it was it was awesome. I would go back for sure. Were you so were you rooting for for anyone in particular? Or you just sort of like Ricardo, watching, like Ricardo, because he's Australian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were all behind him, and he did really well. Uh, finished sixth, which is pretty pretty great result, really. I mean, he had a rough start to the year, so that was fun. Uh, he is driving for McLaren at the moment, which is orange. So it was just like everywhere you looked was just like orange in the crowd. Everyone was like. Uh, right behind him so yeah it was it was good i didn't we were never we weren't close enough to any drivers so so no no real cool experiences um from that regard but yeah it was just a it was a fun day i would go back for sure you're gonna go to austin frank i i would i looked at it the other day because i just binge drive to survive on netflix uh over the past few weeks so i i just you know took a shot of four straight seasons of that and then um (laughs) i i was uh Wait, so did you I watch got, on the weekend or no? It was midnight, I think. I, I, I didn't watch it live. I recorded it and uh, I watched, I like fast forwarded two parts of it, but I watched a lot yeah. of it on, on DVR on Sunday. And um, yeah, I, I was, uh, my German aunt got me into Formula One in the 90s when Michael Schumacher was was right, racing. Right, right. And then uh, I, I followed it like pre- closely. I didn't watch tons of races, but I followed it every week every two weeks, whatever, when he was at Ferrari and winning 
the five straight championships. So I have a soft spot for Ferrari. Um, but after watching Drive to Survive, like there's so many likable guys. Like Ricardo's like probably like my favorite just dude. Like if you just had to hang out with yeah. one of these guys, right? Just hang out randomly, do stuff with somebody. Um, Ricardo probably would be at the top of the list. He's just a really funny, funny Australian. dude. Australian, typical. Exactly. He's an Aussie. You know, Aussies and Kiwis, right? Got it. Steven Adams, you know, probably oh, wins yeah. that title for, for NBA he's, players. He's, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah. And then, uh, but I, the funny part is like, you know, I think that what really made me appreciate is like how much sort of like of the mid table stuff is like competitive and interesting. So mm. it's like, you know, watching that show, like these like random guys, like Esteban Ocon, who's like French and like he won, he's won one race in his career. But like he comes from like nothing where it's like dad's mechanic. Like so many of these dudes are like, you know, handsome sons of like billionaires. <laughs> and it's yeah. just sort of like, it's kind of like, eh, fuck that guy, you know? Like on some level, like it's the, you know, like it makes sense. Like this is not an, an easy sport to get into. So some of these dudes, like Lance Stroll, whose dad is like a billionaire and funds the Aston Martin team, like I can't, I'm not going to root for Lance Stroll or whatever. Um, no, he was not popular. He was the least popular no, on, on no, Sunday. He, I think he basically think got booed sucked. every time he, uh, yeah, he yeah, us, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Mick Schumacher, I, I'm watching because he drives for Haas, who's the which is the American team too. Um, and uh, again, he, he definitely does not come from nothing because his dad is you know yeah. a seven time F1 champion. But <laughs> actually, Michael Schumacher came from very modest background. Like his dad had like a karting uh, track. I just watched his his Netflix biography, which is interesting kind of sad just because of what yeah. happened to him uh post post racing but um but i would be really cool to see mick schumacher do well he's obviously a young guy um but yeah there's just like a ton of likable guys and you know i don't know um lewis hamilton honestly like i i i was like kind of like oh i probably won't like lewis hamilton that much because he's like won everything and blah 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 but watching the series i definitely like was like man i, I like lewis hamilton and Toto Wolf, who's the team principal of, of Mercedes, like just, the, I mean, he's Austrian, but just has very sort of stereotypical sort of ger German sensibilities, um, which I just found very amusing and fun. And um, you also know, looks like a villain. He's like, he's like he the Queen, he's like the Queen Snyder of, of F1. A little, a little bit. Yeah. And he's like six, five, you know, like he's way yeah. taller than like all these other dudes, even though he used to race as well. Um so uh so yeah it's it's uh it's fun i yeah I, I gotta say i just you know basically i feel like the drive to survive you either come out like more in the you know lewis hamilton toto mercedes camp or the red bull verstappen christian horner camp and i just i i, I ended up I, and i didn't expect this but i ended up sort of swinging uh wholly to the to the mercedes side so um so we'll see but they're not having a great year but that's fine they did pretty well on on uh on sunday so yeah. Uh, just I don't know a lot of likable dudes and uh, it's weird now watching races and not drive to survive it's like where are all the interviews like I know. tell me what's going on you know like show me stuff from pit road where they're like complaining about each other and show me the drama but um, but anyway I guess we'll have to wait until next next year for for that next season of drive to survive but great great mark I mean I'm the 80 millionth person to say it but just a phenomenal show for marketing the sport and i think they probably have sensationalized certain aspects of various pieces of it but just super entertaining even if again even if you're not like into racing it's a great way to just sort of get your arms around the sport and it's a really fascinating fascinating thing for sure and I, by the way i agree like watching the in-car stuff how these dudes first off you see them 
going through chicanes and the turns and the speed is just unbelievable. And then you see, you know, the in-car camera, the visor yeah. cams, and it's just like, yeah. how the hell are these guys putting the cars on the limit this way every time? And, you know, again, yes, there are crashes, but like, how are there not more just crazy racks? It's just, it's crazy. Like, I, again, you know, different kinds of athletes, but these dudes are definitely athletes, right? Like, <laughs> these are not, there's, there's no, you know chubby chubby dudes who are just screwing around and are good at grabbing cars uh in in formula one so it's fun been been interesting watch very different but uh one thing one more thing to distract me and take up more of my time no that's right no none of them are they are supreme athletes uh yuki Tsunoda would probably be a, a chubby uh athlete but uh he's forced to he's forced he does to... not like working out he does not he's... like working out yeah that, that he was he... the one guy he was the one guy who clearly didn't like working out He's like um, man. Also, he needs to be forced to to to, to work out. <laughs> they literally had to move. It, the funny part was they had to move him from yes. like Milton Keynes, England, which they were saying is super boring, to Italy in order to get him to work out. It was like, okay. Um, but uh, and the, the other the other funny thing I enjoy about uh, Drive Survive is as somebody who likes fast cars, like non Formula One cars, I just like how these dudes, you know, they drive for McLaren or like. Yuki Tsunoda was driving an Acura NSX, and I think it was Carlos Sainz and maybe it was Lando Norris. They were just just meeting, and they had they went to the grocery store in a McLaren, you know, like hypercar or whatever. And they're like trying to figure out like where the where the the boot is. Um, not very practical for running groceries, but um, but yeah. Carl, by the way, Carlos Sainz. Glue. My theory is Carlos Sainz, also the son of like a super rich, whatever, but everybody seems to like him. He gets well along. He's, he's moved around a fair bit, but he always seems to get along with his teammates. And then his teammates don't seem to get along with other people. And I, I, good vibes, good vibes are on Carlos signs. I've been happy that he's been doing well at Ferrari. Charles Leclerc also seems lovely. So um, I'm team Ferrari over team Red Bull for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, they don't get that treatment in Australia, though. Last uh, one from me, uh, Lando Norris. Uh, someone that works in the media in Australia, I saw it on Twitter. Her sister was like wanted directions or something, wasn't from Melbourne. And there was like a and just a very, very regular Hyundai uh, at a traffic lights. And she knocked on the window and the window wound down and it was just Lando Norris leaving the track in a... In a so I guess in Australia, they don't get looked after as well as they do overseas. So that's a very sad story. Uh Sorry to sorry to Lando, but anyway, they just, they just couldn't find a McLaren sitting around in Australia. I guess. I guess so. But uh, overall, it was great. And the one thing I will say that was awesome was so many people uh, here from overseas as well. And you're walking around and you talk to people, and they're from other parts of the world, which hasn't been the case for a couple of years. So basically, the point is, locked on Bucks listeners, and there's only three of you still listening to this podcast. I come out to Australia and hang out because it's a fun place. So, well, and that's it. that's where the when COVID struck, Melbourne was like the where they were supposed to race right and it was canceled yeah. i think and yep. so kind of like ground zero for the pandemic in formula one was was melbourne i, I do remember that part of the series yep i left uh milwaukee when the nba shut down and i got home on the wednesday and on the thursday uh the grand prix was canceled then everything went crazy so yeah full full circle moment for everyone but uh Let's leave it there. We'll be talking basketball again tomorrow, so don't worry about that. You haven't stumbled onto some uh, locked-on F1 or something like that, uh, but we will leave it there. Hopefully, I'm sure some people enjoy us just rambling uh, with no direction of where we're going. 
We do it from time to time. All right, sleep it there. Frank, myself, catch you guys tomorrow.